Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. And now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, called The Prayer and Power of Love and Fullness. In his booklet, My Heart, Christ's Home, Robert Munger pictures the Christian life as a house through which Jesus goes from room to room. In the library, which is the mind, Jesus finds trash and all sorts of worthless things, and he proceeds to throw out and replace with his word. In the dining room of appetite, he finds many sinful desires listed on a worldly menu. In the place of such things as prestige, materialism, and lust, he puts humility, meekness, love, and all other virtues from which, for which believers are to hunger and thirst. He goes through the living room of fellowship, where he finds many worldly companions and activities, through the workshop where only toys are being made, into the closet where hidden sins are kept, and so on and so on through the entire house. Only when he has cleaned every room, closet, and corner of sin and foolishness could he settle down and be at home. Close quote. Now you may be thinking, sure, Pastor Michael? Really? I'm pretty sure. But I want to show you a verse that kind of cements this, and I want to take you to Revelation chapter 3. And I'll show you lukewarm Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3. Turn there with me and look at verse 20. You've heard Billy Graham preach it. You've heard Greg Glory preach it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. It's a great verse. It could be used for evangelistic reasons, but I think most of you know that that verse is not written to unbelievers, right? That verse is written to a church that is lukewarm, and the Lord's been warning the church to get things right. And the Lord is pictured as outside the door of the church asking to come in to his church. Can you imagine that? No, Jesus, we don't have time for you. We're the church, after all. That's the image. But it's, it's not just the corporate church, it's an individual. Because notice, it says, if anyone, middle of 20... And I I think it's speaking to individuals within the lukewarm congregation of Laodicea. If anyone in there will hear my voice and open the door, it's an individual choice. I will come in. And this speaks of a a slow uh, uh, meal, the main meal of dining. I will dine with him and he with me. As Holman Hunt's famous picture shows, Christ is on the outside of the door knocking, saying, if anyone hears my voice, And opens the door. And what the invitation is, is a reopening to intimate fellowship. Now look at the previous verse, and I think this will answer the context. Those 19 whom I what? I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, make it clear that God does not discipline illegitimate children. He disciplines the one that he loves, Therefore, this verse is written to believers. And the point of the verse is open the door to me to restore intimate fellowship. How many people in the Christian church do you think need to hear these verses? 
Everybody. But there are certain people that definitely don't have what we would call an intimate relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's immaturity. Maybe they're too used to fast food kind of Christianity. You know what I'm saying? This implies a long, leisurely meal of time with the Lord, meditation on His Word, seeking His face, getting to know Him better. But we're a fast food generation. We like 20-minute sermons so we can get on and have our cheeseburger. Come on, preacher. Let's go. Got people to see things to do. What do you mean another 10 minutes? Go back to Ephesians. <laughs> That's a personal rant. You guys have heard the little kid that's sitting in church with her mama. And she says, Mama, why is it that every Sunday that, that preacher takes off his watch and carefully places it on, his, on the pulpit? What does that mean, Mama? And she says, absolutely nothing, sweetheart. It means absolutely nothing. Anyway. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one, one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, right? Do all to the glory of God. Let the word of God be settled in your heart. That's what Paul is praying for the church. He's saying, Lord, be settled in their life. Let them, this is a definition of godliness. Godliness is a God-dominated life. If you want to know a definition of godliness, that's what it is. Paul writes about godliness all over the New Testament, and that's what he's saying. I'm praying for godliness. I'm praying that you would so dominate these people's lives that it would be unmistakable that they belong to you. Look at, uh, this is verse 17, the second part of the verse. You could call it part B. The third part of his prayer, the next part of Paul's prayer is that you would be rooted and grounded and that you, being rooted and grounded in what? In love. Now, I want you to note the progression. The more his presence is settled in my life, the more God dominates my life, the more what will come out of my life? Love. Love is the preeminent fruit of the Spirit. God is love. And so if Christ is settled in your heart, notice the progression of the prayer, then what will happen is you will be more rooted and grounded in love. Now rooted is an agricultural metaphor. It speaks of deep roots, you could think of Psalm 1. This is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. He will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. When your roots go deep, you will yield the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Jesus in Matthew 15, 13 answered and said, every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be rooted up. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Paul says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Agricultural metaphor rooted, grounded is a... Um, 
architectural metaphor and it speaks of a solid foundation. That's what Paul's praying for, that you would be solid. Paul's praying for a deeper experience between Christ and his people, a lifestyle of love. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse talked about the fruits of the Spirit. And he said, he pointed out that love is intrinsic to all the fruits of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5.22. He said, love is the key. Listen to this. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins, close quote. How beautiful is that? That's what Paul is praying. Now, keeping in mind the, the connection between verses, if you look and transition from 17 to 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now, he's been talking about being rooted and grounded. And he says that you may be able to comprehend with who? With all the saints. It's beautiful when we learn things together. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. That, that seems kind of a contradiction. He's praying that we'd be able to comprehend it, and then he says it surpasses knowledge. In another uh, verse, he says, the peace that passes understanding. We all try to understand it. And one pastor say, why do you try to understand it? Just receive it. It passes understanding anyway. And you could say, okay, I understand that, but why does Paul say comprehend it? He wants us to comprehend it. The English word comprehend, um, uh, English words comprehend and apprehend both stem from the Latin word prehendere, which means to grasp. We say that a monkey has a prehensile tail. That is a tail that is able to grasp a tree limb and holds on. Warren Wiersbe comments. Our word comprehend carries the idea of mentally grasping something, while apprehend suggests laying hold of it for yourself. In other words, it is possible to understand something, but not really make it your own. And it's possible not to fully understand something, but still make it your own. You understand what I'm saying? The Trinity is sometimes difficult to comprehend it, but I can apprehend it. I can grasp on to the goodness of God. And Paul says, I want you to know. I want you to comprehend with all the church. I want this to be a beautiful uh, corporate experience. I want you to know the love of God. I want you to know the breath. How wide is it? Just look at the outstretched arms of Jesus Christ. I want you to know the length. It will never end. It will bring us all the way into eternity. I want you to know the height of God's love. From the depths of hell, it will catapult you to the heights of heaven. I want you to know the depths of God's love. It caused Jesus Christ to leave heaven and become a man and die for our sins. These four descriptions, says John MacArthur, speak of the vastness and completeness of God's love. In whatever spiritual direction you look, God's love is there. Where can I go from your spirit, O oh Lord? See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. 1 John 3, 1 and 2 Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet appeared what we shall be. We know this, that when He appears we shall be like Him for we shall see Him just as He is. <laughs> 
Praise God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Pastor Michael Lance would like to invite you to our next 633 event called On the Brink, A Warning to America. I can't think of anything more relevant and no, more that needs explanation and clarification and illumination than the topic of Marxism, socialism, and communism. The next 633 event will be August 22nd at 6.30 with guest pastor Christian Ionesco. He's a Chicago pastor who fled persecution in communist Romania and really became a religious refugee in America. Now he is saying that he is seeing signs in America, similar things that were happening in Romania as they were being prepped to really transfer over to communism. Learn more about this next 633 event on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. We shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. Praise God. In 19, in the progression of the prayer, he's been talking about comprehension and to know. Gnosko means to know by experience in Greek. What does he want us to know? What does he pray for? To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. The knowledge that it surpasses, in in Greek it means beyond the usual mark, the word surpass, is human knowledge. Its source is divine. What's the love of the world? You love me, I love you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll love you until I'm tired of you. But the love of heaven is what Paul wants us to know. And that love surpasses, it goes way beyond human knowledge because God is its source. That's the love that God wants us. That's the love that Paul is praying that we will begin to really understand and comprehend with all the saints. And we're doing it, get this, right now. We're comprehending and contemplating the love of God right now in the Bible. Isn't it cool when you are doing something that the Bible says to do? You're doing it right now. We're doing it together with all the saints. We're saying, wow, the love of God. It's amazing. It's high. It's deep. It's wide. It's awesome. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Doubtless we shall spend eternity exploring the exhaustible riches of our God. And Paul prays, 19, that you may be filled up. Oh, brothers and sisters, it gets better. That you may be filled up. Notice the progression. Knowledge of him, his power, his love, his word, his spirit. That you may be filled up, plerao in Greek, to all the what? Fullness of God. Is that doable? To all the fullness of God. What? One pastor gave the image. He said, some of you guys like to go to the beach and some of you like to go at night or whatever, but imagine that you brought a little jar to the beach and you're saying, you know what, I I need my jar filled. And and God's love is like the Pacific Ocean, his riches, and, and the waves just keep coming and you bring your little jar. I wonder if there's enough for my little jar. And all you gotta do is take a scoop and your jar is filled, but that 
It keeps coming and coming and coming. And that's the image. And Paul's praying, I pray that you would be filled up. This is what it means to be full, to be dominated by God, a God-dominated life. To be replete, to be full in abundance. In him dwells all the fullness of deity and bodily form. And in him you are complete. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can experience the fullness of God in your sojourn on the planet right now? That's what Paul prays for. He prays that you can experience the fullness of God. And that should be our desire. And a bunch of us are living beneath our privileges. Spurgeon one time said, you know what, I've just kind of dipped my toe in and gone up to my ankles where I could have swam. And that was a deep thinker, a spiritual man who spent time in the presence of God and all, all the time. And he was saying, you know what? God has more and more grace upon grace. What an awesome prayer. And we may come to the end of it and say, can God really do this? Can, can he really fill me up with the fullness of God? Can he fill this life so that it's so dominated that Christ in me, the hope of glory, comes out? One little girl said, I don't understand, Mommy. The preacher says that God is so big, he fills the universe, but he's so small that he can live in my heart. Wouldn't he show through, Mama? And the mom said, yes. Yes. Now to him, if you wondered, who is what? Able to do, oh, not just what we've been talking about, to do exceedingly, Exceeding abundantly, he's stacking language so we get it. Beyond all that we ask, you have not because you ask not. Or think, or you don't get it because you want to spend it on your own pleasures, James says, right? He can do exceedingly, he is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. He can do more. He is able, brothers and sisters, to him be the glory in the church. That's the mystery we've been talking about. In Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Remember, this letter was read in many, many churches, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Final story. J. Wilbur Chapman often told of the testimony given by a certain man in one of his meetings. He said, I got off at the Pennsylvania Depot as a tramp. And for a year, I begged on the streets for a living. One day, I touched the man on the shoulder. And I said, hey, mister, can you give me a dime? As soon as I saw his face, I was shocked to see. He was my own father. I said, father, father, do you know me? Throwing his arms around me with tears in his eyes, he said, oh, son, oh, my son. At last, I found you. I found you. You want a dime? Everything that I have belongs to you. All that I have is yours. Think of it. I was a tramp. I stood begging, and my own father for 10 cents went for 18 years. He had been looking for me to give me everything that he had. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the riches that we possess in Jesus Christ. What an awesome God you are. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Your love is higher than the heavens, deeper than the sea. It extends beyond what we could ask or imagine. You are more than able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we could ask or imagine. I think Paul's saying, 
God wants to do more than you might think. More than you could even imagine how small we sometimes think, how small we often pray. Oh God, you are a big God. You run the universe. The nations are a drop in the bucket. And yet you have condescended to love me, live in me, redeem me, make me alive. You tell me I'm your workmanship. You tell me I'm a co-heir with Christ. You tell me that you've prepared a place for me. You tell me that you indwell me. You tell me that the church displays your redemption to angels. And you tell me I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Amazing love, how could it be that you, my God, would die for me? That you would make me an heir of your kingdom, a child of the living God. It's amazing. What amazing love you've poured out on us, God. So let us in concert with that not be afraid to ask for big things because you're a big God. May we just do it with an open Bible and may we do it for your glory. Is it any wonder that Paul fell on his knees and began to pray this prayer and end with a doxology that says to you be the glory in the church forever and ever. Amen. Would you just take a moment right now with your heart bowed before your creator to let him speak to you. Maybe there's an area of your life that he wants to clean up. Maybe there's a part of you that's not accepted this love. If you're an unbeliever tonight, he wants to come into your life and make his abode in you. You've got to repent of your sin and trust in Christ. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Ask him in. Just tell him, I repent. I receive you. I trust you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. Make me your child. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become his children. Believe on him. Trust in him. Father, for the sweet saints here, thank you for them. They're such precious people. I know they hunger to grow in the things that were talked about tonight. Fill us up to the fullness of God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Prayer and Power of Love and Fullness, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pastor Michael would like you to mark your calendar for August 22nd for our next 633 event. Our 633 apologetic events are free for you to attend both in person and through our live stream. And we open the floor so you can ask questions too. So if you have not seen one of our 633 events, you can always watch previous ones on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, my prayer for you, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians church, is that you would be filled with the power of his love, the deepness of his love, the overflow of his love. It would all be yours in Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to be doing a special 633 Sunday night apologetics event. Some of you might say, apologet, what? What are we apologizing for? Well, an apologetics event is actually from a Greek word, apologia, which means a defense, a cogent defense of the historic Christian faith. And we tackle special hot topics on these nights, and this topic happens to be on Marxism, communism, socialism, special guest pastor, Christian 
Ionescu. Pastors of church in Chicago fled communist Romania, watched what happened to his own country. His parents were you know, there. Then he was born into it and saw what happened there, fled as a religious refugee, and sees signs of that happening in the USA of all places. And he's saying, no, 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 don't do it. We need to understand how do we define Marxism, communism, socialism? What is it? What should the church be doing to be salt and light? August 22nd, 6.33 in the evening, Sunday night, happening at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Think of the armor of God, 1009 Arsenal Way. Now, this is an evening service. It will live stream from Corona, California. But if you're anywhere within driving distance, this is one to come out to. Don't miss this one, man. It's too good. We're going to have a Q&A time. Driving directions, all the info. When you go to walkintruth.com, click on that 633 event tab, or you can click on the church tab to find out more about the church here in Corona, California. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians chapter 4 called A Worthy Walk. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.